0: Hello, and welcome to the 49th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Hey.
1: Hey. How you doing, babe? Good. She's so fine. It's 49.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Here we are.
0: Wow.
1: Well, you're not 49 yet, but no, I'll use that line close. for when you're 49.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm really close. Oh, boy. We just want to say thank you for all the amazing reviews we've gotten in the last week.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: I keep reading them to Daniel, and you Generation Xers, you brought it. Thank you.
1: It is all you.
0: Yes, it is. Okay, I'm going to shout out one of our 11 listeners. Let's do it. This is titled Love Them. And it says, I cannot say enough wonderful things about this podcast. This is by far my favorite couple podcast because you can feel the chemistry and love between them. Aww. Oh, we fake
1: it so good.
0: We fake it in lots of places. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> I love listening to the podcast, and I'm going to be so sad when I run out of episodes to binge. Also love how supportive Melissa is of others in the indie podcast community. She's a wonderful, kind, and hilarious person. oh
1: please, you, you are.
0: Please listen to this podcast because you won't be disappointed. Oh, this is Elise and Winston from True Crime Cat Lawyer Podcast. Nice. Thank you so much, Elise. You guys, this is one of my top five favorite podcasts, so to actually have her know who we are makes me feel amazing. We are known. <laughs> we are. Thank you so much Elise, and yes, I love podcasts, especially the indie podcasts because they get to be a little a little wild. Risqué? Yeah, Risqué is good. I think uh, Independence is good. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> if you'd like to hear yourself shouted out as one of our 11 listeners, please go And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really, really, really appreciate it.
1: We are begging you. Almost.
0: (laughs) Almost begging. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Daniel, you got some factoids.
1: I got one. We're going to make it quick because you told me... That your story is going to be a little bit longer.
0: I got quite a case in store for all of you. Yes. All right.
1: So we found out so many great places to kill each other. (laughs) Like that we can relate to like a cruise. True. In a Jeep going over the cliff. True. I mean, there's so many different things you could do.
0: Yeah. Poison. Poison. With uh, nicotine. That is still by far my favorite one. That one was fascinating. Mm-hmm. He definitely. almost
1: got away with it.
0: Almost. But you didn't, you loser. But you did
1: not. Because you're a guy and guys don't get away <laughs> with anything. Only women do. <laughs> All right, so we are going to talk about the legal murder zone in Yellowstone. I'm sure people have heard about this before, but it's yes. really fascinating.
0: Yes, when I did the case on the girl, I, Jordan, Jordan Graham, who did not want to consummate her marriage with her husband of seven days. You remember this one? Kind of. Okay, so I remember she killed him in a national park. And I remember this kept popping up during my research that there was this kind of kill zone in a national park. Yeah. I am so glad you did this. Okay, hit me.
1: So it essentially is a loophole because of the nature of the this piece of land. It's 50 square miles that falls within Yellowstone National Park. It's actually in Idaho. But most of Yellowstone <laughs> is in Wyoming.
0: Most Bakersfield <laughs> people want to move to Idaho. Oh, my gosh. There's no more room for <laughs> us. no more room. That's it. If you don't already, let us. Yeah.
1: If you haven't already moved, it's too late. You yeah. can't go. You got to stay. Yeah.
0: No there's, no. there's no room for you. Yeah. And they don't want you anyways.
1: No, they don't. Okay. So the Idaho representative, Mr. Colin Nash, has been essentially petitioning the congress to fix this loophole because what what's happened is if you were to commit say murder mm-hmm. in this section of land there is not a single person who lives in this region so sixth amendment says that you are entitled to a trial by jury of your peers within <sighs> the district and the state of the oh. area where you committed the crime
0: so wow. in theory
1: on paper that could never happen
0: because nobody lives in this area because to no area. be tried by a jury of your peers. Correct. Dang.
1: And so it would it would have to fall under federal jurisdiction, but a state prosecutor couldn't prosecute because it's in the federal area, but they can't technically stand trial because they can't get a fair trial because there's no jury. It's wow. really funky.
0: Wow. All right, so here's my next question. Okay. How many murders have taken place in this area? Zero. I, I yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Right? All right.
1: Right, but it's come close. And so that's what's interesting. Okay. Because people keep thinking this might happen.
0: Well, now it will.
1: Yeah, so basically and you're what welcome. they're what they're asking for <laughs> is to put this area into federal judicial district of the state of Idaho. Okay. So that it would then have its own jurisdiction. So then it would work.
0: Wow. So there's been no murders in this area. Not yet. So or, it, it's
1: mostly bears. A lot of bears.
0: Well, you can make it look like a bear attack.
1: What was the movie? It was based on True Story. That got, I got. Oh, the actor. And yeah, with mauled. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, and he was horribly mauled by the bear. Yeah, and he somehow the survived. Revenant.
0: Yes. Boom, Melissa, another one. That's all I
1: picture, that area. Yeah.
0: What's that book that we read where the serial killer would dress up like a bear in a national forest? You guys, that was an amazing book. I'll put it on Instagram. It was so good. Oh, and I just gave it away, though. Anyway. Take it back. Take it back. I'm, I'm putting it back in my mouth. Okay, so there's an area in Idaho that you can kill somebody and you can't be tried for it because there's n- you cannot be tried by a jury of your peers.
1: Technically, yes.
0: And there's never been a murder there. No. I bet there has. They just haven't found the body.
1: Probably. And because I, the bears ate it.
0: Because the bears ate it. Right. Or it looks like a bear attack or uh, it looks like you just fell. Yes. I'm assuming this is like high cliffs, deep. Ravine. It is
1: actually beautiful. There is meadows, waterfalls. Wow! Yeah.
0: Do you want to go there? Kind of. You can soon? if you look it
1: up. They'll talk about visiting <laughs> the quote-unquote
0: kill zone. Kill
1: zone. The zone, the zone. Murder zone. Where there's been no murders. They refer to this in law school because it's a an anomaly of the law. Okay. So I my, could see where it'd be fun to teach from it.
0: My morbid curiosity really wants to go see this place.
1: I don't blame you. Plus, it's in Yellowstone, so.
0: Would you go with me?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would go. Hell yeah, I I see really it.
0: don't want to kill you. I keep telling you this. You are worth more to me alive at this moment than you are dead. But that might change in 20 years. Right,
1: because of earnings potential. Right, and wait till you retire. Uh, with inflation, you right. have to keep working because you stop, your savings just disappears. Yes,
0: yeah, so when you retire in 10 years, I might have a change of heart. But right now, I kind of like you true yeah well that was a great factoid thank you honey yeah
1: it's pretty simple but interesting
0: definitely and if there's a murder within the next couple weeks then we know that um we had a listener there you go yeah okay don't do it that's where i'll go (laughs) don't murder just divorce yes absolutely Just get a divorce we'll help you get a divorce Daniel.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: Are you ready for my case?
1: I am always ready for your case.
0: All right. Well, this case is about the marriage of Klaus and Sonny von Bülow.
1: Ooh, I like interesting names.
0: You're going to love this. Yeah. Around 11 a.m. on Sunday, December 21st in the year 1980, a frantic phone call came into the Newport, Rhode Island emergency line. The lady of the house at an affluent estate known as Clarendon Court had been found in her marble bathroom, unresponsive. Twenty minutes later, an ambulance arrived at the beachfront property. Medical personnel made their way into the master suite, which contained the master bathroom. Lying on the floor was the unresponsive body of 49-year-old Martha Crawford Von Bulow, also known as sunny she had been given that nickname as a small child because of her always sunny disposition
1: if I had a marble toilet and a marble bathroom uh-huh I'd always be sunny
0: That's true I have
1: a sunny disposition they'd be like, why do you look so happy I'd be like I have a marble bathroom
0: that's right and you know what else they had in this marble bathroom a bidet yes oh, a separate bidet I knew it yes, that's what rich people have. Even Mm -hmm. in 1980? Even in 1980.
1: Actually, I think they've been around forever. They
0: have been. Sunny was lying on the cold pink marble floor with her head under the toilet and her legs outstretched towards the bathtub. A fur throw had been draped across her body and her nightgown had been bunched up around her waist.
1: It reminds me one time when you had too much tequila. (laughs)
0: Knew that you were exact say that. same
1: image. I knew you were going to say that. Judge, leave me right here. Okay. <laughs> Are you comfortable with your head under the toilet? Yes. Sleep me.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Go ahead. I know. That was the times. That was a long time ago.
1: Do you know when it's like two years ago? <laughs> do you know when you should stop doing shots of tequila? When? Right after you start, <laughs> like 21. <21? laughs> You should begin and end and never do it again. Just on your 21st birthday.
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. She was also wearing men's athletic socks. Sunny's upper lip was bleeding and her lips were swollen. There was also a puddle of urine underneath her and the faucet was running above the sink. All right. She's 49 years old. She's had a few kids. I'm sorry. When you vomit, you pee your pants. When you've had kids. Yeah. Okay. So the urine that was beneath her—that was because she had kids. I'm just throwing that out there. Probably. Okay, I sneeze and I pee my pants.
1: You so- pee your pants when I sneeze. <laughs> just out of support. I do. I do. I'm okay, on on a uh, on, only if it's an aggressive sneeze,
0: right? And I had C sections. There you go. <laughs> See, but then that's, that doesn't even count. It doesn't. Oh, goodness. All right. But according to the people around her, the running sink was not unusual. Whenever Sunny was in her private bathroom, she would turn the water on when using the toilet.
1: Oh, my gosh. I bet tons of people do that. That's a factoid I should try and find research for.
0: But it's true because I have a friend who does that in her own home because she doesn't want her husband to hear her going to the bathroom. She doesn't even fart in front of her husband. She doesn't want him to hear her do anything. And I'm like, wait a minute! Oh my gosh, you've given birth to four kids in front of your husband, but wow. that is a whole nother thing. Wow! Right?
1: I'll be honest, and this isn't good in a state where we're trying to conserve water. <laughs> I run the water while I'm brushing my teeth because I like he the does. sound.
0: It's annoying. It's like, no, it's, it's not. It's annoying. I like in, the sound of the water running.
1: It's, it's like an- a little <laughs> like waterfall in the background. Oh my gosh! Know? I'll
0: buy you a sound machine.
1: Okay, that would probably save thousands of gallons Yes, it's
0: annoying because we live on the surface of the sun and we're always hearing like you can't water and don't use all this water. And then Daniel's there wasting water while he he brushes his teeth like three times a day. Yeah, but don't
1: they need the sewer to be flushed out once in a while?
0: Okay, all right. (laughs) As soon as the paramedics entered the bathroom, they first noticed how cold the temperature was in the room. All the windows had been opened. How strange since it was December in Rhode Island.
1: Oh, it's freezing there. It is
0: freezing there. They also noticed how odd Sunny's body was lying with her head under the toilet. If she had fallen forward off the toilet, her legs would have been under the bowl. Mm -hmm. But I've had my head under the toilet (laughs) a couple of times. Yeah. When you're gonna vomit, or when right. you feel like you're gonna vomit, so maybe she thought she was gonna throw up. Maybe, but they're saying they think that she was trying to go to the bathroom because her nightgown was above her waist, oh. but her panties weren't down.
1: Well, maybe she didn't get that far. Yeah, maybe like she not. Got started.
0: Maybe. But they were trying to say, like, why would her head be under the toilet? Right. And I've slept a few nights with my head under the toilet, not just from drinking, but also from, you know, having not massive feeling, flus. Yeah, not yeah. feeling
1: good. Right. COVID.
0: Praying to the porcelain god, right? Sure. Mm hmm. Paramedics quickly noticed that there were no other injuries to Sunny other than the cut on her upper lip and that blood had already begun to dry. They searched that bathroom for any sign of where she could have hit her mouth and her upper lip. They found nothing. Nothing. They still don't know what hit her in the face.
1: Maybe her entire bathroom since it's made out of marble. (laughs)
0: And it was pink.
1: She hurt herself on her bathroom. Yeah, everything is freaking stone.
0: Yeah, just on her bathroom and just just encompassed the whole thing. Yeah, right. Sunny's vitals were taken, and her body temperature was a frightening 81 degrees, and her heart was only beating at 35 beats per minute.
1: Ooh, she is chilly.
0: Sunny was slipping into a coma. I bet. Sunny was loaded into the ambulance, accompanied by her husband of 14 years. 54-year-old Klaus von Bülow. Wowzers. But unlike most spouses, Klaus sat in the ambulance with his legs crossed and hands folded neatly in his lap. He showed absolutely no emotion, almost as if he was sitting in the back of a limousine. But, and this is a big but, this was not the first time Klaus had ridden in an ambulance with his wife, Sunny. Oh. She had become unresponsive and fallen into a coma during the Christmas season the year before.
1: Do you know what they call him during Christmas?
0: Oh, gosh, what?
1: Santa Claus. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Nothing. All I
1: right.
0: should have known that was coming. Wait, we're, we get serious. Mister. I am serious. This okay. is serious. Okay, so she had fallen into a coma exactly a year before.
1: That is odd timing. Yes. I will give you that.
0: Was this becoming a Yuletide tradition? That was my own line, by the way. I Yuletide. Came up with that. Tur- I like that. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Or was something sinister happening in the Von Bulow marriage? Yep. Sonny's eldest child, 21 year old Alex, had found his mother in the bathroom along with her husband, Klaus. Santa Claus. Yeah, Santa Claus. Now, I'm going to say the oldest two children's names because they were of age and they have been very vocal about this case. Okay. But there is another child from Klaus and Sonny, but I'm not going to say her name because she was only 13. Gotcha. Right. And like I say, you can look it up. I don't care. But these kids, they, you know, they didn't ask for this. Right. Not usually. All right. The night before they found her body in the bathroom uh-huh. on the 20th, Klaus, Sonny, Alex, and Klaus and Sonny's 13 year old daughter had eaten an early dinner and drove from the estate to the movie theater to see Dolly Parton's new film, Nine to Five. Nice. Working Nine to Five. Was that's that, a great song.
1: Was that about the being a whore in Texas? No, that's Little no. Whorehouse in Texas. Best, yeah, best Little
0: House in, in Texas. That is a great movie, too. It is. Ugh, we're just all it's about movies right now. It's a family
1: movie, too. Bring your kids, too. A lot of research.
0: Sure is. <laughs> okay. So after seeing that fabulous movie, 9 to 5, they arrived home after 9 p.m. Okay. Klaus had excused himself to his study to finish up some work while Sunny, Alex, and their youngest daughter retired in the library. They were just hanging out and enjoying each other's company when Alex noticed his mother's slurred speech, and she started appearing weak, barely able to lift her glass of what Alex thought was ginger ale that she had brought back with her after she had excused herself for 15 minutes to change into her dressing gown. Alex asked his mother if she had taken any sleeping pills, to which she replied, no. About a half an hour later, Klaus came into the library and asked Sunny if she wanted anything. She asked him for a cup of soup, to which Klaus obliged, and brought her one. Her voice continued to grow weak. After eating the cup of soup, Sunny declined even more. Now, she wasn't even able to bring her glass to her lips. Uh-huh. Alex then asked her if she had taken a barbituate. Sunny replied, no. Isn't that a weird thing to ask your mom? A little
1: bit. I mean, maybe she has before, because how else would they know to ask that?
0: And she has. Okay. Uh, She has before. So that's why. There you go. But she hadn't taken one. Alex told his mother she should retire for the evening, and Sunny agreed. When she got up to stand, she almost fell over. Uh Uh-oh. Alex insisted on carrying his mother to her bedroom, and while tucking her into bed, she asked him to open her bedroom windows. Sunny liked to sleep in a cold room with an electric blanket over her turned all the way up. So that's why the room was so cold. Right. Is that all the windows had been opened. Alex left Sunny in her bedroom with Klaus and never saw her conscious ever again.
1: Oh, geez.
0: Close to midnight, Alex decided to meet up with some friends at a local Newport bar. The next morning, the 21st, Klaus awoke around 5.30 a.m. and his wife Sunny was still sound asleep right next to him. He let the dogs out of the bedroom and took a shower and shaved. Klaus went out for a walk and came back inside to read the paper. After 8 a.m., Klaus passed through the bedroom to his study, which he could only get to by going through the master suite. I
1: I think I'd get lost in this house.
0: It's a humongous house. I picture Mm -hmm.
1: it's the house from the board game Clue.
0: Basically, yeah. I don't think it had a conservatory, though.
1: Klaus, Mm -hmm. would you like to join me in the observatory? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like... I'm going to retire to the library.
0: It was a giant house. Mm -hmm. With a scotch and a cigar. So the only way you could get to the study or his study was to go through the master bedroom. Gotcha. Sunny was still asleep. Klaus was on a business phone call till around 9 a.m. when a butler saw Klaus in the pantry. (laughs) I know. <laughs> Sorry. Okay.
1: So you got a butler. You got the pants. A bunch of maids. Maids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gardeners. You, you got all these different rooms. Right. Like right. The, like Colonel blue, Mustard. Colonel Mustard. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh.
0: At 10.30 a.m., a housekeeper found Klaus in the library. How many damn people <laughs> they got in this house? <laughs> a lot. Oh, my gosh. Around 11 a.m., Alex woke and headed downstairs. He looked out a window and saw his stepdad and the four dogs walking up to the house from the Atlantic Ocean. How cool would that be? That would be so cool. Like I you know. just wake
1: up and look, oh, there's father coming up from the ocean right. to the house.
0: <laughs> Alex then ordered his breakfast. Ordered his breakfast. Yes. And met his little sister in the dining room. Klaus came in and wished them a good morning. Alex inquired about his mother, to which Klaus offered to go check on her. Klaus was gone about 15 minutes. When he reappeared, he had situated himself behind the young daughter and motioned for Alex to walk to him. When Alex walked closer, Klaus whispered, Something's happened, but I don't want to upset your sister. Klaus led Alex out of the dining room and into the master bedroom. Alex was then led into the bathroom where he found his mother laying diagonally across the bathroom floor with her head under the commode, her nightgown above her waist, and his mother was unconscious. Klaus put his finger under Sonny's nose and said, she's still breathing. Klaus left to phone a doctor. Alex put his hand under her neck and felt how cold his mother was. He decided not to move her and put a fur throw over her. So that's the scene. Close all the
1: windows if it's freezing cold in there.
0: Yeah, maybe they did. Okay, I don't know. I the paramedics just said it was so cold. Yeah, I bet. But that's how the scene became the scene when the paramedics walked in. They didn't move her from where they found her, which is good. Yeah. When Sonny arrived at the hospital, she was treated as a drug overdose case, and they ordered the usual blood tests. Gotcha. Klaus was asked about his wife's history, to which Klaus replied that as far as he knew, she had not drunk anything nor took any drugs. Not too long after arriving at the hospital, Sonny went into cardiac arrest. Sonny was resuscitated and stabilized. At 12:30 p.m., Sunny was moved to the ICU. It was determined that she was suffering from extremely low blood sugar, hypoglycemia, and that she was comatose. Wow. Yeah. At eight fifteen that evening, Sunny was transported to Boston to receive specialized care in coma and blood sugar problems at the Peter Bent Bingham Hospital, which is now named the Bingham and Women's Hospital. Klaus rode in the ambulance with her. Sunny was given a fifty percent chance of survival. Klaus burst into tears. The first time Sonny's husband had shown any emotion was when they said that she only had a 50% chance of living. Right. Sonny's blood work came back the next day. She was suffering from very low blood sugar levels. She also had a modest barbiturate level of 1.06 in her blood and 2.15 in her urine, which is pretty low.
1: Okay, I have a question. Yes. What is a barbituate?
0: Oh, and I have an answer. Oh, good. A barbituate is a downer. It helps with sleeping, anxiety, those kind of things.
1: I always thought of it as like an old school, old world term for like a prescription type drug.
0: Yes. So now, uh, when you hear the term benzos.
1: Oh, okay. So that's yeah, the equivalent. That's of. the
0: equivalent of um, a barbiturate. Okay. They don't say barbituates anymore. They say benzos. But they're highly, highly addictive.
1: Gotcha. And they help
0: with sleeping, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Her potassium levels were also very low. There were no signs of aspirin, alcohol, or Valium. But her insulin levels were 216. Anywhere between 35 and 145 is considered safe. Huh. Yeah. Why did Sunny have such high levels of insulin in her system? The year before, Sunny had been in a coma for 24 hours, but had woken up and recuperated. She had then been diagnosed with severe reactive hypoglycemia. Wow. Reactive hypoglycemia is a problem in the mechanisms that control the relationship between the body's natural insulin and its blood sugar. With reactive hypoglycemia, the patient experiences a lowering of blood sugar after drinking or eating carbohydrates. Huh. Even in a severe case, it is not a death sentence. With a sensible diet, reactive hypoglycemia can be controlled. The patient should stay away from sugar and alcohol. So, a low carb diet. Basically. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Sunny had high levels of insulin in her blood, which is a death sentence with someone who has hypoglycemia. Oh. Insulin literally eats away at your blood sugar. Gotcha. So when you have low amounts of blood sugar anyways to put insulin into your system, right. is a death sentence basically. Right. That's why it's given to people with diabetes to control their high blood sugar levels. Yes. Insulin brings it down along with a healthy diet and exercise. Giving insulin to a hypoglycemic is basically a deadly weapon. But who had given her the insulin? Santa Claus. (laughs) Sorry. At this time, (laughs) at this time in our history... Insulin was actually being used as a weight loss fad. What? But no one had ever heard or saw Sunny taking insulin, especially not her constant companion, her personal maid, Maria. Oh, my God. (laughs) What is
1: that, like 14 people in the house now? (laughs) I'm waiting for you to say, and then the
0: gardener popped in. There's no gardener in this one. There's I no promise. Gardeners? No, there's no gardener. Or no, I'm, that's I'm not sorry. true. That's not true. I'm sorry. The staff was very involved in this case. Yes.
1: You don't call them gardeners back then. You know what you called them? What? Groundskeepers.
0: Oh, that's right. The keepers
1: of the ground.
0: Yes. That sounds like a fun job. Just that's what I outside. would tell people.
1: Instead of saying I'm a gardener, I'm going to say I'm a groundskeeper.
0: Mm, I like it.
1: Landscape engineer.
0: Let's get into the principal players of our story. Good. Are you ready for this? Okay. Here's a few of them. Okay. Sonny von Bula was born in 1932 to parents George and Annie Laurie Crawford. Sonny's father, George, was the founder and executive of Columbia Gas and Electric. Wow. George was 71 years old when Sonny was born. Her mother was 30. Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. So you're saying. Uh-huh when we break up and i turn 70? Yes. And i get a, a reversal? Yeah. <laughs> I can get a 30-year-old girl pregnant at 70?
0: I guess so. I don't think he got a reversal though. He had spent so much time no, building I would his have to get one. Okay. He had spent so much time building his career and his empire that he was not ready to settle down until he was in his 60s. Mhm. That's too long. Yeah. He had a good life, I'm sure. Probably. The rumor is that Sunny was actually delivered on her father's private railroad car on their way back to New York from Virginia. Her mom had given birth to her on their private railroad car.
1: Okay. I got to Maybe I'm old school. <laughs> you know how people, when they get really wealthy, they buy like a personal plane, yes. helicopter. Yes. I want a personal railroad car. Okay.
0: But that is the equivalent of having a I personal... Know. Airplane. I, I know, but I think it airplane. would be
1: so cool in this day and age to have your own fancy luxury but Do you know how car. long
0: it would take to get anywhere? But who cares? <laughs> okay. That's like a cruise ship on the land. Okay. When Sunny was three years old, her father passed away, leaving his $100 million fortune to his wife and only daughter.
1: That's a lot of money back then.
0: That's a crap ton of money. That's almost $900 million today. It's not bad. No. I mean, I could do a lot with $900 million. Not in Los Angeles. Oh, gosh. I'd barely buy you a house. You could get a
1: house and two cars.
0: (laughs) In July of 1957, 25-year-old Sonny married 20-year-old Prince Alfred Edward Frederick Vincent Martin Maria von (laughs) Ausberg. Stop. (laughs) What the? Are you serious? Uh, I'm not making those names up. Okay. You know the
1: signature line on paperwork? (laughs) You can't fit all that in there. It's not possible.
0: Okay. But he went by Alfie. Ah. uh, Yes. All right. Or Alf. Alf. I loved Alf. I loved it. He was good. Yeah. He's so happy. Alfie came from a distinguished Austrian family who ruled over the principality. Did I say that right? Principality. Yeah. Of Ausberg. <laughs> yeah, Allsberg. Am I saying that right? Ausberg. Yeah. yeah. Until the collapse of the Austrian Empire on November 12th, 1918. The couple met while Alfie was working as a tennis instructor at a Swiss resort. So Alfie was um, basically penniless. After the collapse of the Austrian Empire, his family they lost, lost everything yeah. they right? lost
1: their title their land they didn't or... lose their
0: title though he was still considered a prince but they lost everything else so what good is it i don't know what good is a title if you don't have money attached to the title
1: you still need to be able to hire someone to go in front of you to announce you no, that you're coming in
0: but you can't afford that they make more than you do right <laughs> alfie helps sunny on her with her backhand <laughs> i bet <laughs> So Alfie was a bit of a playboy. I figured. And it said he was never faithful to any of the women in his life, especially not Sunny. No. The couple had two children together Princess Annie Laurie von Ausberg in 1958. She is known as Alla.
1: That's also like Alabama.
0: Yeah, Alla. And Prince Alexander George Ausberg in 1959. Is that George, G-E-O-R-G? What is it? Gorg?
1: It's Georg. (laughs) I'm serious. That's old George.
0: And Prince Alexander Georg Ausberg in 1959. I am so glad that you know this kind of stuff.
1: So we used to have a dog and I named him George. And if we get another dog that's a male i am going to name him georg i swear yeah
0: but we're not ge- ever getting another dog
1: probably not <laughs> but if we get any animal georg. that's male yeah georg is going to be his name
0: yeah i like that that's cute that's really cute actually
1: yeah. it's old george yeah i it's like Old that. World george austrian G- old germany old, okay anyway all
0: right after eight years of marriage the couple were divorced but Klaus does say that Sonny's last two years of her marriage to Alfie, they were in a romantic relationship. Okay. hmm Klaus von Bülow was born Klaus Cecil Borberg on August eleventh, 1926 to parents Hanna von Bülow and Danish playwright Svend Borberg in Copenhagen, Denmark. Klaus's parents divorced when he was four years old. In 1940, when Klaus was 14, during the Nazi occupation of Denmark, his father arranged for Klaus to meet his mother in Switzerland, and they were smuggled out of Switzerland in a mosquito bomber to England. That's, That's an interesting story. That,
1: I mean, think about the subtlety of dropping mosquitoes on your enemy. Mm. Just yeah. smacking themselves constantly. Like, where the yeah. hell did all these mosquitoes... That's probably not what it is, is it? <laughs> a mosquito bomber?
0: So a mosquito bomber, Daniel, is not actually a plane that <laughs> drops mosquitoes. But that is a good idea. Yeah. It's just a two-engined plane, like a small plane. Some
1: sort of yeah. fighter plane.
0: And it was um, actually made out of wood. What? Most of them were made out of wood. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Can't be any worse than the beer cans people fly in these days.
0: <laughs> but Klaus's father stayed behind in Denmark. Okay. Okay. After the war, Klaus's father was arrested as a Nazi collaborator and sentenced to four years in prison. Good. The conviction was overturned on appeal, and he was released after 18 months. Klaus's father died penniless and ostracized a year later. Wow. Yeah. In 1946, at 20 years old, Klaus graduated from Trinity College in Cambridge with a law degree. Huh. At 20 years old. Good for him. For his profession, he chose to go by his mother's maiden name of Bulow. Klaus Bulow practiced law throughout the 1950s before he was hired as a personal assistant to Jean-Paul Getty in 1960. Do you know who Jean-Paul Getty is?
1: He was a rich guy.
0: Yes. He was
1: one of the, what you would call the, the oh my gosh, just slipped my mind.
0: Oh, you want me to tell you? Yes, tell me. Jean-Paul Getty was a British petroleum industrialist who founded the Getty Oil Company. Yes. In 1966, he was named the richest private citizen in the world, worth an estimated $1.2 billion, which is over $8 billion today. Nice. Getty is also famous for refusing to pay the kidnapping ransom on his 16-year-old grandson, Jean-Paul Getty III. After four months and an ear in the mail, he finally agreed to pay the kidnappers $2.2 million, which was the maximum amount that would be tax deductible. Holy crap. His grandson was returned minus an ear. Klaus remained with Getty until 1968, two years after he had married Sonny.
1: Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm.
0: Sonny came into the marriage to Klaus with her two children, Ala, who was seven, and Alex, who was six. They refer to Klaus as Uncle Klaus.
1: <laughs> See, I think Santa Claus rolls off the tongue so much better. It
0: does. Uncle Santa Claus.
1: So outside of Christmas time, He's mm-hmm. referred to as Uncle Klaus. Yes. Wink, yes. wink, wink. But wink, everyone wink. knows. Wink,
0: wink, nod, nod. He is busy. hmm
1: But Santa Claus arrived.
0: She also came into the marriage with a personal maid named Maria Schrollhammer. Maria was only Sonny's maid. Nobody else's. She wow. didn't do anything for anybody else except for Sonny. She would help her with remedial and everyday tasks like... Um, ironing her clothes, sure, <laughs> and running her a bath, right? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Maria was very devoted to Sunny, referring to Sunny as her lady. Oh gosh! Yeah, Maria was German and had a very thick accent. Yeah, and I can't do I a, a really good German accent, so I'm not going to do it. You're not even going to try? I don't want to try. I don't want to be made fun All of. Right.
1: The people <laughs> listening from Germany will be. <laughs>
0: The one listener
1: from Germany. Throwing things at their (laughs) device that's creating sound.
0: On June 6th, 1966, Sonny and Klaus were married at the Brick Presbyterian Church in New York City. At that time, Sonny was worth an estimated $75 million. Which a million dollars in 1966 is worth almost $9 million today?
1: So... We'll go seven to eight hundred million yeah. today. It's so yes. Not bad.
0: Mm-hmm. The two had met at a dinner party in London. Sonny was still unhappily married to Prince Alfie, and Klaus was a 38 year old bachelor. Hmm. After a two year affair and Sonny's divorce, Klaus put a ring on it. Nice. It was at that time that Vaughn was added to Bulo. According to Klaus, that was Sonny's idea.
1: What's what's with the von?
0: It just sounds more prestigious. Okay. And more royal, I think.
1: Like von Dutch? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> no. different.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, von Bulo. So doesn't that 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 sounds more prestigious than just Bulow. Can we? Vaughn
1: Bulow. Can we put Vaughn in our name?
0: In front of MacArthur? Yes. Vaughn MacArthur. No. You no? can't do a Scottish name with Vaughn in front of it. Okay. It has to be Mac or Mick, right?
1: So is the supermarket Vaughns, <laughs> is, oh. is that what that's from?
0: No idea. Okay. Good. No idea. Well, that's a lot mm-hmm. of useless information. A year later, their daughter was born. According to friends, after the baby was born, Sunny lost all interest in adult aerobics and became a bit of a homebody. Nice. The two did not sleep in the same bed for the first three years of their daughter's life. That sucks. When they did move back into the same room, Sunny had two twin beds pushed together to create the illusion of one giant bed. Yeah. Klaus and Sonny would go between their Upper East Side apartment in New York and their estate in Rhode Island. Now, their Upper East Side apartment had 15 rooms, which is giant for that area.
1: Well, you don't want to feel squished. Yes. Um, you and, need elbow room, for sure.
0: And it overlooked Central Park.
1: Sweet. Mm-hmm. God, that's going to be expensive Ugh. in this, this day and age. Yeah, I think it's room.
0: sold. Yeah, it's sold for 8 million dollars after all of this happened. Gotcha. The couple began growing apart and Klaus began having affairs. I'm sure Sunny knew about the affairs and she would tell people in their so- their social circle that they were unhappy, but Sunny did not want to have another divorce under her, you know, expensive belt. Right. Yeah. Right. In 1978, Klaus met a beautiful soap opera actress, Alexandra Isles. She played Victoria Winters on the gothic daytime television show called Dark Shadows.
1: Oh, I remember (laughs) that. No, you don't.
0: (laughs) It ran from June of 1966 to April of 1971. It featured storylines that included ghosts, werewolves, monsters, witches, warlocks, time travel, and a parallel universe. That sounds awesome. Actually, it is. Fa- that sounds fascinating. Doesn't it? They need to wonder, bring this show back. I
1: wonder if you can watch it, if you can get... Oh, it's probably obscure, but... Probably
0: on YouTube. Yeah. They need to bring this back. This sounds fascinating. I would watch this every yeah. day. It's got sure. all
1: the best stuff
0: in it. Yeah. Alexandra is also a Danish aristocrat. He God. was always reaching oh. for the top. All right. Get it, Klaus. So they were in love... And by mid-1979, Alexandra was insisting the two were to be married or she would leave Klaus. Gotcha. She gave Klaus six months or she would walk. Now, if Klaus were to divorce Sonny, he would walk away from her fortune and give up his upscale lifestyle. If he didn't divorce Sonny, he would lose the love of his life, Alexandra. But if Sonny were to die a natural death, Klaus would inherit the apartment in New York, the house in Rhode Island, and $14 million.
1: That's not bad. That's not bad.
0: No, it's not. At the end of 1979, less than six months after Alexandra's ultimatum, Sunny fell into her first coma, the one she recovered from after 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I'm going to tell you about this one, though. You guys need to hear it, okay?
1: Okay, so I have a quick question.
0: Yes. If...
1: Let's say hypothetically, you said, I do not want to do an aerobics class with you ever again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it really an affair if I find someone else? Is he according supposed to According to the laws of man. Is he supposed to go, okay, and that's it?
0: No. According to the laws of man, according to the rules of marriage,
1: man laws, if yeah. you
0: are married, you cannot sleep with anybody else.
1: Even if there's nothing happening anymore.
0: Well, then your spouse needs to agree to let you do that.
1: I wonder if people do a prenup that says if. Yes, they do. It never happens again. You oh. agree to let me have a day pass. No, what's <laughs> hall pass, hall a hall pass? A hall pass. Yes. Okay, that's it. I'm
0: done. Go okay. Ahead. I don't know, honey. I can't answer that. All right. After an early dinner on December twenty sixth, nineteen seventy nine, at Clarendon Court, Sunny and her then twenty year old son Alex were in the library chatting and sipping on some homemade eggnog. Oh my gosh! Yum! I love eggnog.
1: And the and ambiance, I found the recipe for this one. The ambiance of sipping homemade eggnog yes. in your personal library. Exactly. With your groundskeepers and your maid servants, <laughs> staff, maid staff. Servant. During
0: the Christmas season. Oh my gosh. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. Yep. In a multi million dollar mansion with your eggnog. And Sunny loved Christmas. So she overly decorated her homes. I don't know if she decorated them or if other people decorated them, but she went overboard. Every Christmas season. She
1: instructed her wait staff.
0: Yes, she did. Mm -hmm. And then she
1: waited for Santa Claus to pop out of the fireplace.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Surprise her. As they were sipping on their homemade eggnog, Sunny's speech began to slur and her voice became weak. Even though Alex was sitting next to her on the sofa, her voice was barely audible. Alex had seen his mom drunk plenty of times, and she was always silly and talkative, so this was very different. Alex escorted his mom to her bedroom and helped her into bed. Klaus came into the bedroom, and Alex told him that she was weak and slurring her words. Alex then left the bedroom. Around 8 p.m., Maria the maid... Who had been working for Sunny for over 20 years came into the bedroom to wish Sunny good night. Sunny was asleep and Klaus was lying next to her, fully dressed. Oh That's kind of odd, a little bit. It's odd, a little yeah. weird. The next morning on the 27th, 60 year old Maria was in the laundry room ironing Sunny's clothes and just waiting to hear from the other maids when Sunny woke up.
1: So we're talking about the day after Christmas?
0: No. Well, no two this days is, after Christmas? Yeah, two days after Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. By nine thirty, Sunny was still not awake. Klaus caught Maria in the hallway and told her that Sunny would be spending the day resting and not to bother her. Sunny was complaining of a sore throat and not feeling well. That was weird to Maria, since she would be the one who always took care of Sunny when she was sick. Hmm. So why wouldn't Sunny want her to take care of her this time, right? Right. As Klaus entered the bedroom and closed the large double doors, Maria walked quietly over and listened with her ear against the bedroom doors. Maria heard moaning coming from the bedroom and not the good kind of moaning. Oh, right. Yeah, not right. the good kind. No. Maria knocked and there was no answer. So she just opened up the door and went in. <laughs> uh, she should. I kind of love this about her. Yeah. Her loyalties were to Sonny and to no one else. So, of course, she's going to be like, screw you, Klaus, so I'm coming in. So she kind of
1: suspected something because she didn't buy the leave her alone story. She did
0: not like Klaus uh, at all. They did not get see. along. Maria noticed Sonny laying in the bed with her arm hung over the side, and Klaus was sitting on his side of the bed reading the newspaper. Maria walked closer to the bed and called out Sonny's name. There was no response. Which was strange because in the 23 years that Maria had been working for Sunny, she had always been a very light sleeper. She would wake up any time Maria came in the room. She would wake up. Right. Maria then grabbed her arm and shook it a bit. Still no response. Maria put Sunny's arm up on the bed and pulled her covers up to her chin. Maria looked at Klaus and told him he should call a doctor, to which Klaus said in an aggressive tone, She's asleep.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: With that, Maria left the room. About 30 minutes later, Maria, the maid, <laughs> Maria, the maid. <laughs> sure. Was back and Klaus was in the exact same position. Once again, Maria got zero response from Sunny. She asked Klaus again to phone the doctor. He once again said no and told her that Sonny was sleeping off a hangover. Maria was worried and alarmed by Klaus's non-reaction. Finally getting up the nerve, she said, If you don't call the doctor, I will. Klaus then answered, You know, Maria, it is not that easy being married to Mrs. Von Bülow." Dang. I bet it isn't. <laughs> At 2 p.m., Klaus finally called the doctor and left a message. At 3 p.m., the doctor phoned back. Klaus told him that Sunny was not waking up and that she had a drinking and drug problem, to which Maria adamantly denies. She says that she did not have a drinking or drug problem at all during this time. The doctor told Klaus to keep a careful eye on Sunny and to watch for any changes in her breathing. Around 6 p.m., Maria noticed that Sunny's breathing was erratic and there was now a rattle in her chest. She begged once more for Klaus to call the doctor. But he just shook his head no. Soon after, it became apparent that Sonny needed help, and Klaus called the doctor once more. Within minutes, the doctor was walking into the von Bülow's bedroom. He immediately noted that Sonny's lips were blue and instructed Klaus to call for an ambulance. Sonny then vomited and stopped breathing. She had no pulse, and her heart had stopped. The doctor began CPR, and 15 minutes later, her pulse had returned. Sunny was loaded on the waiting ambulance and rushed to the local Newport Hospital. She arrived at 7.30 p.m. Blood samples were taken. Sunny showed that her blood sugar levels were very low. She was at 41 milligrams per 100 milliliters. Which is I crazy low. low. Yeah, I have
1: no yeah. idea.
0: 100 milligrams are considered normal. Ah, okay. Yes. So she's at 41. Less than, less
1: than half of what it should be.
0: Right. Alcohol and barbiturates were not found in Sunny's system. Oh. So she had not been drinking and she had not taken anything. Only small traces of aspirin. After three and a half hours in the hospital and unresponsive, slipping into a coma, another blood draw was taken. Her blood sugar had dropped even lower to 20 milligrams. Wow. Yeah. And they found a high level of insulin in her system. Hmm. Yeah. By 12 a.m., Sunny's blood sugar began to rise. And by 7 a.m., it had risen to a normal level. But Sunny remained in a coma till the next day. The next day, Sunny woke up without any recollection of events leading to her unconsciousness. Huh. Isn't that crazy? So she doesn't remember anything? No. She remembered nothing. How she got to that situation? No. All she knows is that she doesn't remember taking anything. And nobody saw her take anything except for the eggnog. But that was eggnog with a little bit of brandy in it. Yeah,
1: that's normal.
0: And her son was saying she was not acting like she was drunk. She was acting like there was something else going on. Yeah. So now we're back to the second coma. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. By January of 1981, a couple weeks after Sunny's second insulin overdose, she was moved to a hospital in New York. It was then that it was determined that Sunny was slipping further and further into an irreversible and permanent coma. Sunny von Bulow would remain in a vegetative state for the remainder of her life.
1: Oh, poor thing. I
0: know. It's so sad. It was also concluded that Sonny, or someone close to Sonny, had given her the deadly dose of insulin. Yep. Suspicion turned to her husband, Klaus. Klaus had the opportunity. He lived with Sonny. They shared a bedroom.
1: But no bed.
0: No. <laughs> no sex at time. Nope. Klaus also had a motive, a $14 million motive, which is worth a little over $45 million today.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Sunny's oldest children and her longtime maid, Maria, agreed that Klaus must have tried to kill their mother by injecting her with a deadly dose of insulin. But where to find the evidence? Where do you find that evidence, right? Yeah. Maria believed she had the answer. Klaus had a small black travel bag that he kept in his luggage. One time, Maria had opened it and found vials of liquid, needles, and prescription drug bottles. Oh. Maria had a feeling that the bag must be in Klaus's locked closet in Clarendon Court at the Rhode Island estate. He had a locked closet. What do you keep in a locked closet? Um, what would you keep in a locked closet?
1: All kinds of good stuff. <laughs>
0: Since Klaus was on vacation with his mistress only four weeks after Sonny fell into a coma, it seemed like the perfect opportunity to not only hire an attorney, but to also go searching for the black bag. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Good opportunity (laughs) right there.
0: Alex hired a private investigator and a local locksmith to accompany him to the mansion to retrieve the bag. Nice. Or to where Maria thought the bag was. Right, right. The locksmith was not only being used to get into the closet, but also as a disinterested third party. Guess what they found? What? The black bag.
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) Without contacting the police, the family sent the contents of the bag off to a private lab to be tested. And photos were never taken of any of this not the contents in the bag, or where the bag was even found. Yeah. Why,
1: why people? He's a professional private investigator. Mm. Do you think he would take the...
0: Right, because usually private investigators are retired police officers Yeah. or detectives. And fingerprints were never taken, and even if they were, yeah. the bag was handled by multiple people without gloves on. According to the private lab, contained inside the bag was Valium, amobarbital, Morphine, Codeine, and a needle with trace amounts of insulin dried on the tip. Uh-oh. Klaus's name was on most of those prescription bottles.
1: How do you get a prescription for all those things?
0: Money, 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 money. Yeah, that's true. It was back in the day. Money. Because now if you walk
1: in and say, I need. Codeine. Codeine. A <laughs> vial of Codeine. They'd be like,
0: uh, no. They'd be like, what are you cooking? <laughs> yeah. In July of nineteen eighty one, the Rhode Island Grand Jury indicted Klaus on two counts of attempted murder. Uh-huh. On February first of nineteen eighty two, Klaus von Bulow's trial began. The prosecution's case suggested that Klaus had somehow poisoned his wife with insulin during the Christmas season in nineteen seventy nine and nineteen eighty. The insulin that had basically consumed her was not generated by her own body. Okay. It was a foreign insulin. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Klaus had injected it into her, knowing full well that she would go into insulin shock, resulting in possible death, but instead leaving his wife in a vegetative state.
1: Okay, I have a question. Yes. How would she allow him to inject her without knowing?
0: That's a great question. I have no idea, right? Yeah. Plus, they never found needle marks, but they weren't really looking for that. That's the thing.
1: Can you ingest insulin and metabolize it in a way, or I mean, not like absorb that. it? No, no, right? not like that. So it has to go intravenous. It does.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So how would she not know? That's it's, interesting. Exactly. I so know. Unless she was taking something else
0: intravenously. Or unless she was doped up on something else and didn't even realize. Right. Huh. Klaus wanted to be rid of Sunny, but not her money. Klaus needed her fortune to keep up with the lifestyle he was accustomed to. And he wanted to keep his actress mistress happy. Sure. Witnesses for the prosecution include Alex, Maria, the doctors who worked on Sunny, and the mistress, Alexandra, who, on the witness stand said that she doubted Klaus's innocence. Oh, boy. She turned on Klaus. Mm-hmm.
1: What I was going to say is if she even suspected. Right. Wouldn't you think she'd leave him?
0: Yeah, I'm going to get into that.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Annie. <laughs> but she put on quite a show on the stand, this little actress. Mm-hmm. The defense criticized the black bag's handling and said that maybe Sunny had given herself the insulin injection, but now they would never know because the bag was contaminated. Because her fingerprints could not be found on that bag because everybody else's fingerprints are on that bag. Prove it. So they're saying, we could have proven that she had done this to herself if the bag had not been contaminated with everybody else's fingerprints. Right. Mm -hmm. After three months of testimony... Klaus was found guilty of the attempted murder of Sonny von Bülow and sentenced to 30 years behind bars. So
1: even with the bungling of the bag, huh? they still found him guilty.
0: Yes, but guess what? <sighs> what? <laughs> this case isn't over. Of course not. It's not over by a long shot. Okay. Klaus immediately appealed... And was granted bail. He only had to fork over a million dollars. That's not bad. That's it. Yeah. Back then. Klaus went searching for new representation for his appeal and found it in a Harvard law professor known as Alan Dershowitz. Oh. Do you know who Alan Dershowitz is?
1: Yes. Uh, he.
0: You've God, heard I that name I've many times, yes. people. And I know He's... most of you have heard that name many times. Isn't he
1: involved Indirectly with politics and yes. all that kind of okay all Yes,
0: right. definitely. Dershowitz is a lawyer known mainly for his work in US constitutional law and American criminal law. Gotcha. Okay. He taught at Harvard Law School from nineteen sixty three till his retirement in two thousand thirteen. Dershowitz is well known for taking on very unpopular clients. Wow. Very unpopular clients. By 2009, he had won 13 of the 15 murder or attempted murder cases he's handled as a criminal appellate lawyer, which means he only deals with appeals. Okay. Okay. He was part of OJ Simpson's dream team. Ah. Yes. A member of Harvey Weinstein's defense team in 2018. Fun. Dershowitz helped to represent Jerry Epstein and helped to negotiate a 2006 non-prosecution agreement on Epstein's behalf. Do you want to know what a non-prosecution agreement is because it's bull crap?
1: I'm guessing it's some something that involves not being prosecuted.
0: Yeah. It basically granted immunity from all federal criminal charges of Epstein, along with four named co-conspirators and any unnamed potential conspirators. So it essentially shut down an ongoing FBI probe into whether there were more victims and other powerful people who took part in Epstein's sex crimes. Gotcha. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that horrible? This is what money will get you. I was going
1: to say, it's not who you know. It's how much money you have because you can always hire better lawyers.
0: Exactly. Dershowitz was also a big player on the defense team for President Trump's first impeachment trial in 2020. Hmm. And he's a Democrat. Yeah. Big time. He very much looks at cases from a constitutional and law perspective. Is what is happening legally sound and fair? That's always his question. Yeah, Dershowitz is still alive and kicking at eighty-three. Yeah,
1: I was going to say he's an older. Yeah, older gentleman now.
0: Right. So he doesn't necessarily look at the client; he looks at the law and whether or not the law was fo- was followed and in how, these cases. how it
1: applies to the circumstance. Exactly. At hand. Exactly. Yeah, case at hand.
0: Alan Dershowitz, like most people, believed that Klaus was probably guilty until he talked with Klaus and listened to his pleas of innocence. Alan decided to investigate this case and found some major holes in the prosecution's case. With the help of his law students, Alan took on Klaus's appeal. Wow. hmm With his law students. This totally reminds me of, like, Legally Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> that movie, that stupid movie. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say stupid. People are going to hate me when I just said stupid. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they only had a 10-month window to petition the Rhode Island Supreme Court for an appeal on the conviction. They yeah. had 10 months wow. to figure this out. But money sure does buy you things, doesn't it? Sounds like it. When a case is appealed, the question is no longer is the defendant guilty, but was the trial conducted properly? Gotcha. Yes. I'm going to go over the evidence that was used in Klaus's appeal. Number one, the notes that had not been turned over to the defense by the private prosecutor that was hired by Sonny's family. They had hired a private prosecutor. They did not have a state prosecutor. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. This attorney had taken meticulous notes during his very first meeting with the family and even Maria but refused to turn them over to the defense, which is a huge no-no. You must dic- disclose all of your findings and evidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of being a lawyer. Yeah. Number two, the blood sugar results from her second coma. The prosecution only stated one level, and that was 216. But there were four tests run on the same vial of blood, which resulted in four different readings, anywhere from zero to 350. Only one test resulted in 216. The discrepancies in the test results should have negated the final result, leaving the blood sugar level of 216 inadmissible. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Number three, the needle found in the black bag was said to have dried insulin just on the tip, but when you inject a needle into a body, the liquid spreads down the length of the needle. Huh.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Number four, the defense wanted to test the private lab that the contents of the black bag were sent to because even scientists make mistakes. We have human error all the time. True. They sent off numerous needles with dried substances on the tips to see if the results came back correctly. The needles were separately dipped in such liquids as insulin, saline, barbiturates, and a mixture of two or three of all of them. Many of the needles came back wrong, and some even saying they were insulin when it was not an insulin needle. Those Uh false positives made the lab and their previous results unreliable.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: Number five, the black bag. Alex finding the bag and removing it from the house was not a violation of Klaus's constitutional rights. But when that bag was finally handed over to the Rhode Island State Police, which is a government agency, that was a direct violation of the Fourth Amendment in the Constitution, which is part of the Bill of Rights that prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures.
1: So they never got a search warrant. Yeah, you have
0: to have search a search warrant or it. take Exactly. Anything. So what they did was an illegal search of the bag and mm. its contents.
1: Because they turned it
0: over Because they turned it over to the police, which gotcha. is a government agency. Right. Yeah. If they would have held on to that bag, it would have been fine. Right. But then they wouldn't have been able to use it as evidence because it would have had to be turned over Yep. to the government. Right. Okay. In March of 1983, Klaus's appeal was heard by the Rhode Island Supreme Court. It took one year for the Supreme Court to reach a decision. They agreed that the prosecutor must hand over his notes and that the search of the black bag was in violation of Klaus's constitutional rights. Two years after being found guilty of the attempted murder of his wife, Sunny, Klaus's conviction was reversed.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: But it's not over. It's not what? over. But what was in those notes from the prosecuting attorney? What was in those notes that he did not want the defense to see, right? Right. Since these notes contained the first interview of the family and the personal maid Maria only days after Sonny had fallen into a coma, these statements were fresh and raw. These statements were truthful. Did they match the testimony given by the family and Maria at the first trial? Not really. No. The family never mentioned anything about insulin, needles, or a syringe in the first interview, and neither did Maria, but she sure talked a lot about it when she was on the witness stand during the trial, even saying that she had picked up the vial out of the bag and questioned why there was insulin in Klaus's black bag. The prosecutor defends not putting the insulin mentioned by the family and Maria in his notes from their very first interview, saying that there was no need because he would remember that because everybody was saying it. It would not be forgotten, even if not in the notes. But he cataloged everything else in that black bag. Huh. That's kind of crazy, right? A little bit. What they're saying, what the defense is saying is that there was no insulin in that black bag because the family never mentioned it in those notes. They only mentioned it when they got on the stand. Oh. So they were lying on the stand is what the defense is saying. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors still believed that they, that they had enough evidence to put Klaus in prison. 61-year-old Klaus was once again charged with two counts of attempted murder. This trial began in April of 1985. Since Dershowitz is an appellate attorney and not a trial attorney, Klaus did find a new lead counsel, but did retain some of Allen's students to work on his team. It was really these students who were young and inexperienced, so they had all these questions. They were questioning everything, which worked in Klaus's favor, because with inexperience comes knowledge right
1: yeah and they have to they have to ask questions
0: exactly for us being old we don't ask questions anymore we make assumptions <laughs> we make assumptions exactly yep yep this time the prosecution was not allowed to use the contents of the black bag as evidence oh boy Klaus's former mistress, Alexandra the soap opera actress, was back on the stand and this time told the jury that Klaus had said to her that he wanted to kill his wife after an argument in December of 1979, and told Alexandra that he watched Sonny as she was unconscious in bed and knew that she was in a bad way. Klaus was with Sonny all day, and when she was near the point of dying, he couldn't go on with it and called the doctor to come save Sonny's life. Why didn't she say this at the first trial? They were not together during the first trial. They had broken up.
1: Maybe he told her not to say it.
0: But she wasn't in love with him anymore. They had broken up. Oh. He had moved on. She had moved on. Right.
1: So why didn't she throw him under the bus? Yeah. Why
0: didn't she throw him under the bus during the first trial? Why'd she wait to the second trial to say any of this? Right. I think her career was struggling. She was not booking anything anymore. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to get my name in the paper again. Right. I'm going to say that this happened. That's just my opinion.
1: It's probably fairly accurate.
0: But after he said this in 1979, she was still with him for a few more months. Went on vacation with him four weeks later. How do you stay
1: with someone like that? How do you stay? I don't
0: know. know. If he really had said that, then she had gone on vacation four weeks after he attempted to murder his wife. Right. Right. What kind of person does that make you?
1: Someone who's hoping that he'll get the money and then she will benefit from it.
0: But what's to say he's not going to try to kill you?
1: She'll kill him first.
0: Oh, yeah. All right.
1: Or get as much out of him as she can.
0: Yeah. Also, one of the doctors who had testified for the prosecution switched sides and was now testifying for the defense. He said that he now believed that Sonny's coma may have been caused by a lack of oxygen to the brain and not an insulin overdose. But he was not allowed to say this at the first trial. It did not fit the prosecution's narrative. He also said that before testifying in the first trial, he was prepped like a TV appearance. Wow. Mm-hmm. Eight other medical experts were called as witnesses for the defense. They testified that Sonny's two comas were not caused by insulin, but by a combination of ingested drugs, alcohol, and chronic health conditions. But none of that was found in her system. What chronic so, health
1: condition? I
0: don't know. Uh, hypoglycemia? Yeah. A former president of the U.S. Toxicology Association testified that the needle was tainted with the insulin just on the outside but none on the inside. So the needle had just been dipped in the insulin.
1: Oh, so in this it's another case of just the tip. Just the tip.
0: And that injecting the needle in flesh would have wiped it clean. There you go. Okay. It also came to light that Sunny had been admitted to the hospital three weeks before her final coma after ingesting at least 73 aspirin. Which had been self-administered.
1: 73 seems excessive.
0: Yeah. So they're saying that she tried to overdose. Gotcha. Mm Mm-hmm. That's sad. After a six-week trial, the jury found Klaus not guilty. He was free to go. Really? There, when I watched this on TV, I watched a little bit of the trial. When they said not guilty, there were literal cheers in the courtroom after the verdict. Like, people were standing up and cheering and screaming. They were so happy for him.
1: Huh. Right. It didn't seem the slightest bit questionable to them.
0: I guess not. The cheering going on was deafening, for sure. Wow. In 1987, Klaus's stepchildren filed a $56 million civil suit against him. By December of that year, Klaus had settled. He renounced all claims to his wife's multi-million dollar fortune and agreed to divorce Sonny and give up the one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year trust fund she had set up for him. One hundred twenty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty seven is about three hundred thousand dollars today. Wow! So that's how much he was making for being her husband. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah, I'd go for that. Yeah, me too. Klaus also agreed to not write any books or earn money publicizing the case and to leave the country. Okay. He agreed to all of this. Okay. But he agreed to this to restore he and Sonny's daughter's family inheritance. She had been disinherited by her maternal grandmother because she supported her dad through both trials. She was his biggest supporter. She never for a second thought that her dad killed her mom huh. mm-hmm. she was now to share her mother's 100 million dollar fortune with alex and alla that sounds like a good gig to me right
1: i would yeah i would go for that
0: yeah so her dad was completely penniless but she now got to share this huge fortune and take care of her dad that's Again. basically what she did she took care of her dad on december 6th 2008 Sonny Von Bulow died in a New York hospital from cardiopulmonary arrest. She was 76 years old. She had been in a coma for 28 years.
1: Wow.
0: Yes. They kept That's her alive. That's a long
1: time to be in a coma. It's a
0: very long time. And she was taken such amazing care of because they hired private doctors, private security They had, um, she had a hairdresser that came in and did her hair once a week. She had her nails done. 28 years. Yes. Dang. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing?
1: Do you know what would happen if one of us went into a coma for 28 years?
0: Nothing, because I would put a pillow over your head after a couple months.
1: No, no, like if we both did. I'd wake up and it would be like the movie Idiocracy, (laughs) where you wake (laughs) up and everything has changed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you wake up. Though I mean, there's been a couple cases of that happening, but after is that is that a life? Though you're kind of stuck in purgatory, in my opinion.
1: To you mean to live to to,
0: live your life in a coma seems like you yes seems like you're stuck. Basically, what people refer to as purgatory, you're just stuck in this in between.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're like one foot. In the grave and one on a banana peel.
0: Right. I don't know much about being in a coma, obviously, so I don't know how that would feel. No. Klaus von Bulow died on May 25th, 2019 at his home in London, England. He was 92 years old. Klaus had settled in South Kensington, where he lived out the rest of his days alongside his daughter and her three children. Did he die of COVID? (laughs) This was in 2019. That's when it started. No, COVID started in 2020. Oh, no,
1: it started. Oh boy, they started noticing it. Oh in boy. the fall of 2019.
0: Okay, well, this was May, so this was before. No, he did not die of COVID. Okay, I don't know what he died of, but he died.
1: He probably died surrounded of
0: being, by his family, and yeah, he died. He lived of a, being a very happy 92. life too. He pulled it off while his ex-wife sat in a coma for 28 years. Yes. You ready for a fun fact? Yes. Alex and Alice's father, Prince Alfred von Ausberg, died in 1992 after spending 9 years in a coma after a car accident. What's with this family in comas? Yeah. These poor children had to watch their parents deteriorate lying in a coma for years. Right. How sad is that? That is so sad is to me. That is
1: sad. So you're saying you wouldn't let me exist in a coma?
0: No. Gosh, no.
1: You would say, I don't know what
0: happened. Yeah, I don't know how that pillow got over his face. Well, if a, you can't talk back to me or you can't give me your husbandly duties, you're no use to me.
1: That's a good point. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> no, point. No,
0: I love you so much, and I know that I would be seeing you again. Well, if, not if I'm a murderer. If I was I don't in a
1: know. coma... Would you pick my nose?
0: I'd pick your nose, but I wouldn't wipe your butt.
1: Really? (laughs) I'd wipe your butt.
0: You would? I think you have. I think you... Does
1: that mean I love you more? Probably.
0: (laughs) Probably. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm obsessed with you. Obviously, obviously, pe- pe- people don't want to hear this. People don't no, want to hear don't. how in love we are. Turned us off. They we're, hate us because I said I would kill you, and they hate us because we, we like each other. We're literally
1: talking to ourselves now because nobody's listening. Exactly.
0: They're like done. They're like
1: I'm not even waiting for the exit music.
0: No, it's done. No. All right, Daniel. What do you think of my case? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um,
1: I kind of want. A clue house.
0: <laughs> That's what you got out so of this? So that we
1: can, yeah, so we can pretend. Ooh, do a little role playing? Yeah, like yeah. you play son. Well, no, I don't I want to be that. Scarlet. Them, but wow, there was
0: so much to this. There was a lot. It got a lot bigger than I remembered last time I was reading about this case.
1: Do you see what a lot of money and family title does? How complicated and mm-hmm. crazy it makes people?
0: A hundred percent. And you can buy justice.
1: Absolutely. You can.
0: Mm-hmm. Got enough money. You can buy justice. Do you
1: notice none of this wealth was earned by any of these people?
0: No. it was just passed down from nope. somebody who worked their butt off. Yep. Mm hmm.
1: So there's that.
0: I know. All right. Well, my resources for this case were obviously a bunch of articles and Wikipedia pages. Gotta love Wikipedia. Sure. <laughs> what is hypoglycemia? Yeah. (laughs) There are also two books that I read, one titled Reversal of Fortune Inside the Von Bulow Case by Alan M. Dershowitz. So Alan made some money off of this. Oh yeah. The other was the Von Bulow Affair, the objective behind the scenes account of the shocking attempted murder case. Written by William Wright. I also watched an American justice episode. Which those are those are good too. And there is a movie. There is a movie about this case. Really? And it came out in 1990. I actually said something about this on Instagram to see if anybody knew what I was talking about. And there was one person, Destiny, who knew what I was talking about.
1: So in other words, no one's heard of it.
0: No. But you should go watch it. It's titled Reversal of Fortune. It's based on the (laughs) Alan Dershowitz case or book. So we made even more money off so, of this. Yeah, just, yes, and it's starring Glenn Close of Fatal Attraction fame mm-hmm. and Jeremy Irons. The oh. now I watched this movie a long time ago, and I remember thinking the way that they were portraying Sunny was kind of ridiculous. But to me, it's still a great movie because they made her like. All helpless and blah. Uh, I hate that's when how they, I picture her. I hate when they portray women like that. that I don't think she was that helpless,
1: though. Oh, but see, but that's how I stereotype her. Mm. As we're talking about her, I picture her as that. Oh, really? Just f- into uh, the fainting couch.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. That's what how they were portraying yeah. her. But... Jeremy Irons did go on to win an Academy Award for Best Actor as his portrayal of Klaus van Bülow. So there you go. Yeah. It must have been decent. Yeah. It's a great movie. Go watch it for sure. I'm sure it's on Amazon. I'll watch it tonight. We'll watch it tonight.
1: Ooh. I'll fall asleep immediately like I usually do. You will. And God, then I drives won't me watch crazy.
0: it. Drives me nuts. And then he's like, no, I've already seen it. I'm like, you saw the first five minutes of it. Right.
1: <laughs> Please, for the love of God rate and review us four and a half stars and above (laughs) we're desperate please oh
0: god this is me daniel begging you okay but why do we want people to rate and review us
1: so other people can see it and go oh this must be decent and then they want to see it see so it's kind of like yeah it's kind of like multi-level marketing
0: oh (laughs) The MLM podcast. I tell
1: six, you tell six, those six tell six. And pretty soon we are super popular.
0: Oh, okay. We will be starting a Patreon soon. We just have to figure out what that's going to look like. I don't even know what that means. He doesn't know what that means. But I will explain it to him after we hit stop. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed us. I hope you enjoyed this case.
1: You did a great job, babe.
0: Thanks, baby. All right. Well, be careful.
1: For marriage... Here's a life sentence.
0: Bye. Bye.